everyone, my name is Jordi Mueller and welcome to the Empower Women series of the month of June. Um, today we're extremely happy to have Rochelle Seltzer. She is the creative coach, coach, uh, core coach and author of Live Big and Manifesto for a Creative Life. How are you doing, Rochelle? Oh, I'm doing great, Jordi. Thank you. Um, I am extremely excited to have you today. Uh, uh, Creativity, which is a topic of this uh, month in the Empower Women series. Uh, the actual title was How to Create the Future You Yearn For and Live Big. Um, but it's around the topic of creativity and how to basically live a creative life, uh, which will result in many, many things. Um, but I do want to start with a very basic question, which is how did you stumble into a profession about helping other people become more creative? Wow, that's a great question, because if you had talked to me 15 years ago and told me this is what I'd be doing in my life, I would never have believed you. <laughs> like like never. most people, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was um, a student of art. I went to college. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. But my – and there's a whole backstory to this, Jordy – about, you know, we all have this, this sort of formative stories in our lives that shape us. For me, I had absolutely no confidence in my ability to really create, even while I had an urge to be creative. And so I went to art college, but I channeled all of my focus into design hmm. because as a designer, you're a creative person who solves other people's or businesses' problems. That felt safe. I had absolute terror at the thought of ever taking a painting class or a sculpting class or anything like that. And so I built a career as a designer and, um, and it was good, but I always knew there was a piece inside of me that was very, very stuck around that and, and very confused. And just to make a long story short, after I owned my business for over 25 years, I hired a business coach because we were faced with the the last recession and I never had help, never had a coach. This is a time that I thought I needed help. And it was in my work with him. Sure, it helped my business in big ways, but it was really, the focus was on me. It was on me and how was I showing up? How was I leading? How was I bringing all of myself into, into my world? And this was pretty unsettling. I just wanted somebody to give me the strategies, right? Yeah. And it was in the course of that work with him that was so challenging and so exciting that I had the realization that I was really ready for something else that was going to light me up more than running my business. We had pulled through the recession. It was great. I loved my clients. I loved the work, but it wasn't really exciting anymore. And I had this realization that I wanted to figure out something else that was going to be really um, important for me to focus on in the last part of my professional career. And I sold my business and I, you know, the universe just connected me through my coach actually to a brilliant psychiatrist who uses creativity as the modality of all of his work. I went to a couple of workshops with him and I realized that this is what I needed to understand. And so I just spent two years studying with him. And it was the end of that. He does something called psychocreative uh, counseling and therapy, intuitive painting. After all my study with him, I realized that 
coaching had been such a profound and had had such a profound impact on my life that what I really wanted to do was create a coaching practice that was built on this foundation of everything I had learned and studied and had started experiencing and started Mm -hmm. living as a powerfully creative person and in many more dimensions than I had ever understood before. And that's that's where this all came from, and that's what eventually led to me writing my book. It's Live a, big. it's amazing yeah. um, how many. Uh, and by the way, your story of having some uh, coaching that kind of like trigger some change of, of uh, in your personal life, and then obviously translate or, or transcend it to your business life. It's a, it's a story that we have heard before. But one thing that really captivates me of your own personal story is that. One thing that came out of it was to use creativity as the catalyst for change. And I think by him, I'm a, I work, I'm in the marketing world, uh, or I would say uh, producing and creating stuff often, all the time. And one of the things that I am guilty of is made the connection that sometimes creativity requires exploration and basically requires to slow down and that is what you kind of like start your book with which is like one of the first steps is like slowing down not just like try to produce stuff and create stuff for others but take the time to explore inwards and like figure out something new and that takes time uh i don't know if you want to expand that conversation a little bit i think that's a really great um concept that you honed in on there, Jordy, because we're, we live in a culture that is, it celebrates busyness and speed and multitasking. And when you're constantly in motion that way, and you don't pause and slow down and reflect, you can't be in a state of real curiosity and you can't be in a state of ideation and tapping your intuition and connecting to your imagination so that the things that you do, whether it's you know, in your daily work, in your relationships, in any part of your life are um, more reactive as opposed to being able to truly tap into the creative potential Hmm. that's always in front of you and always available to you. And when we learn to slow down, I mean, my coach used to say to me, you have to slow down to get more things done. And (laughs) I just refused to, to accept that for the longest time. It was so counterintuitive. And sure enough, when I really started practicing that is when I realized the wisdom there. It's huge. Yeah, I, man, I love your coach. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, do too. And, and I, one of the things that I love is that I take everything I learned in my work with him and I bring it through to my clients and I've had other coaches since and other teachers. And I love bringing all of that through into what the way that I can support my clients Yeah, because this is how we expand and, um, and build on great things. Yeah. And then just to keep building on this particular conversation, um, the, the exercise of creativity by definition, just like, it, it pushes the individual that is kind of like going through it to be fully aware of not just their current surroundings, but kind of like what it's beyond their current surroundings. And, yeah. and that exercising of awareness is something that uh, most of us forget to do, right? Like, like I think 
and, and, and we have had other speakers at the Empower Women series where they definitely kind of like hone down into awareness is the start of everything, but I think just having what, as, as you are putting in your core, in your coaching practice, creativity as the core of like this change uh, to a better or, or a better way of living makes us be aware on a bigger scale outside just our little comfort zone. Um, that, yeah, if, I don't know if you want to comment on that. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I have a little, um, a little page flag in the book in the beginning of the, well, several of the chapters, but the first one says creativity equals doing something new or different. Give yourself permission, encouragement, and space to play. Then let yourself revise these early efforts because the ideas and outcomes may be awkward or unsatisfying at first. And when you continue to experiment and shape those ideas, you're a true creator. I know you're a big proponent of like what, what you describe as creative expression. Do you mind just explaining what you refer with that? So I sort of think about creativity in two main buckets, if you will. So the expressive side is where we um, sing or cook or write or dance or um, build or envision. It's the, it's the way that we make something new, whether it's something new tangible or something new in an idea. And what I love about that is that we have an outlet for emotion. We can take challenging emotion, grief, frustration, anger, whatever it is, and it gives us a place to, to use that. So if you, if you cranked up the music and you danced it out or if you made the ugliest picture, it's a way to sort of whew, download some of that, right? It's also an opportunity to expand and magnify joy in your life. Sometimes you can be so thrilled and so excited and you almost feel like you're bursting, and if you put that into something expressive, you you amplify it in a in a great way. And on a day to day basis, having some expressive creative practices is just an outlet for whatever you're feeling, even if it's not an extreme of anger or joy. But it's also the satisfaction of seeing what you can produce in the world or for yourself. There's just a tremendous amount of expansion of your heart and opening, and that opens everything else. It opens your thinking. It opens your sense of possibility. It gives you a much more uh, positive outlook on what's possible in your life because you've got that openness that's active. And as I said, it can be digging in your garden. It could be um, anything, <laughs> whatever whatever it is that you're called to to do some people love to work with their hands and their daily work is you know all on a computer all in their heads and this is a, a different way of being to to make something hmm. tangible yeah. I, yeah no i i i relate uh, very much to that and i would even say that um as uh, life has has changed uh, dramatically, I would say for the last maybe 10, 11 weeks through the situation that we're currently experiencing, everybody at home, everybody in their lives, uh, to everybody to different degrees, but there was a change. Uh, yep. it has been, it has become, uh, almost like an ideal time to self-reflect on what you were doing before that and how much of that you want to come back 
two. Uh, and and it's been an interesting process, uh, at least for myself, but also for a lot of people uh, within our networks that, that have expressed, uh, I guess, finally, they're giving themselves permission to change uh, based on the current yeah. circumstances. Um, I know the next question, you probably get it often, especially because of the title of your book. Uh, but now, after listening to you for a few minutes, I think I might understand what you actually mean when you say live big. But I, I thought I would give you an opportunity to just uh, <laughs> kind of like unravel that for a second. Oh, great. So the second sort of big category, this is going to answer your question, is about um, realizing that we can approach everything in our lives with a mindset of being a creator. So what does that mean? It means that we can stop reacting. So I always say the words creation and reaction have the same letters. And most of us live quickly and we just react all the time. So when we actually realize that we have the opportunity to create every next step that we take, every best step in our own uh, path, even if we have maybe unfortunate circumstances or opportunities or alternatives in the moment, we get to choose and we get to take action. And even if it's imperfect action, we get to choose again right after that and right after that and right after that. Hmm. And that's the way that I think about um, adopting this mindset of being a creative person and a powerfully creative person is that you have all this agency in your life. And when you approach your life that way and then you include the creative expressive part on top of it is when you you're kind of fueled to live what I call a big life, a mm. life where you're fully engaged, a life where you feel um, that you're not just at the whim of, of the outside world and circumstances, but that you can really be a creator of the reality that you want one small step at a time. It's not about big giant leaps very often. It's about small consistent ways of being and living. And so it's living big is the absolute, you know, um, other end of the spectrum from living small. And I know I lived small in many ways for many, many years. Most people that I know don't live all of themselves, hmm. all of their greatness. They, they just, for whatever reason, don't bring it all into their lives. Yeah. And that's why this is my mission to help people understand the concept of living big and being powerful creators of that life. I, I love honestly the concept of just the words living big because it in my perspective it just summarizes so many times or paraphrases in a in a small way um, the everything that you hear all the time about people reaching their maximum potential. And sometimes you don't really understand how does that fall into your current practice every day. And I think when you say live big, it, it, it makes it so simple to like, um, is, is, is the, the activity that I'm about to do helping me to live big? <laughs> is the action I'm about yeah. to do tomorrow helping me to live big? Instead of like having to think about a very long-term path when, you, when people talk to you or coach you on reaching your maximum potential. It sounds like a big task yeah, when, when people talk yeah, that way. It's overwhelming to people. It is overwhelming, for sure. And I think when we get overwhelmed is often when we get paralyzed. That's, that's correct. So, so the whole 
purpose of my book, which has all these chapters and, and each one has just small exercises and practices, is that it, it is it's sort of like a yoga practice, right? <laughs> when I started doing yoga years and years ago, I didn't understand that term, a yoga practice. And I came to understand that it is it's something that you practice in your life and that builds mm. and becomes a part of the texture of your life. Yes. And this is the same concept for me is that this is a way of living and being mm. and what we do that becomes part of who we are and it grows and expands over time. And I, and I also want to make sure that we talk a little bit about this is just not a mental uh, mindset. Um, this also has uh, a, sci a scientific and chemical reaction in your body of just like starting to be more mm. creative. And, and, and I want to talk about that, especially because um, there is a, a, an entire connection about the activities you do and the way you start using your energy in your life and what you choose not to do anymore and the way you start feeling. And that feel is a chemical reaction. Uh, so I don't know if you want to uh, maybe talk a little bit about that. So, you know, there's a lot that we know um, about neuroscience and um, the impact of a lot of the practices that are included in my concepts in the book. Um, I actually have some specific points about a gratitude practice, about things that have been observed by researchers. So when I talk about a gratitude practice, it's a pretty, um, it's not very complicated, but it's something that's more than just saying, oh, I'm grateful that the sun is shining today. Hmm. It's been truly tuned into small and beautiful ways that you can find and see gratitude around you. And um, some of the things that science has confirmed is that if you, let's say each day you keep a little journal and you yep. note three things about which you're grateful. And then I always say, add one sentence for each about why you're grateful And so it could be that somebody was kind enough to hold a door open for you when you had heavy packages. It could be all the small things that we often just don't even stop and think about. So it boosts productivity and mood. Um, it creates more alertness and enthusiasm and determination. There's markedly reduced stress when you have a gratitude practice. There's improved health and sleep relationships get better, immune systems get stronger, reductions in anxiety or depression, and more happiness. And that's just one little um, practice of gratitude can do all those things for you. And I believe that having an expressive creative practice does much of the same thing. It's certainly something that I can't live without now. I have a painting practice that even in the midst of my busy life, I create space for each week because it's vital to me. And all of these um, ideas like seeing wonder around you when you're oriented to the world to actually see wonder and to find joy in that and to let that light you up and inspire you. All of these things change our, our chemistry and mm -hmm. really have an impact on our well-being in tremendous ways. I I want to spend uh, literally just a, a few seconds 
kind of like reaffirming this uh, from my own experience. <laughs> Definitely, I, I guarantee to to uh, everybody listening, uh, me and Rochelle did not talk about what I'm about to say beforehand. But um, I don't know if you know this, Rochelle, but I actually used to uh, keep a gratitude journal as well uh, at some point. Uh, I do not do it anymore and I regret it. I think I should start just after listening to you. I think I might just start it again. But it, it was... It definitely helped, for example, with my sleep. Uh, yeah. It was one of those things that it just drastically changed. It was like, just before you go to sleep, take that journal next to your bed, write what you're thankful for. I like your recommendation of just like going on a, le- a little extra for that second question after that. Uh, but just, just writing who you are thankful for or what you are thankful for for that day, it was unbelievable the change on not just the way I slept, uh-huh. but the way I woke up. And, yes. and it was amazing. Um, so I'm going to take that and I might start doing that again. So, so uh, thank you. Thank you for bringing it back to, to, <laughs> to the forefront. Um, so I, I wanted to ask a question that came actually within our staff and that they know you were coming and, and I wanted to make sure that, that everybody gets a little bit of, of your time because I know it's valuable and it's a, it's a tough question, but it was, if you had any tip to start shifting your mindset towards happiness and positivity, which I think you address a little bit with some of these practices. Um, that, that was one of the questions. But the next one is a little harder for me, which is how do you take time for your own well-being when you are also the one taking care for others? And I think this happens a lot within our networks and clients. So I don't know if you could, you, you could have an answer oh, for that. I completely relate to that. <laughs> because I used to sacrifice my own self-care all Mm -hmm. the time and that was something else that my coach had spotted early on in our work and really gave me marching orders to start meditating I was like I don't know about that (laughs) (laughs) but truly a small very small practice can have a very big impact so I I advocate for doing there's a great meditation teacher named Tara Brock, an author, and she talks about a sacred pause. And a sacred pause means just two clock minutes on your phone to just step away from the from the screen you're in front of and close your eyes and just breathe. It just means two minutes of just being aware that you're sitting quietly and that you breathe. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's... It's, and I love the name of it as a sacred pause because it really has that kind of sacred impact. But I would also say that I've become a huge proponent of um, the concept of self-love. This is one of the big ideas that I studied with my teacher, which is to be a, a wonderful and powerful creator, we need to be fueled with self-love and we need to manage our self-critic. And of course, we could talk about that for a whole separate (laughs) conversation. But when I talk about self-love, it includes self-care. You need to take good care of yourself. That includes your sleep, your nutrition, um, feeling deserving, and giving yourself that space because we cannot truly give to others what we're deficient in with ourselves. We can't be our best colleagues, parents, spouses, friends, whatever, if we're depleted. Hmm. So it may feel indulgent to some people or selfish to practice self-love and to practice self-care. 
but it's the most generous thing we can do both for ourselves and for the people that we are serving or loving in our lives. And, you know, the, it feels maybe like a cliche, but it's such a perfect illustration is that when we're on an airplane and the oxygen mask comes down, we're always instructed to put ours on first before helping someone near us. Because if we're not breathing, we can't help somebody else get that mask on. And it's the same about self-care. So it's part of this slowing down, maybe making intentional choices about where you can take that bubble bath at the end of the day if that's what <laughs> you know relaxes you and makes you happy. Whatever it is that you need to um, nurture yourself mm-hmm. so that your well-being is really important enough to make a priority, this really will, it's sort of like the concept of slowing down and getting more things done, which I used to struggle with, but it's true. Yeah. Better things happen when we take care of ourselves. I, like that we, I just as, as I used to find that I could get more done after I had slowed down and gotten intentional, clear, I was just, and not multitasking, I could really get more done. Same concept in different application. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, this this has been something that every I would say every couple of years people have to remind me to do as well. <laughs> as, and yeah. as you keep accelerating, and and I think just everybody takes a different gear sometimes, and they forget about this pretty fast if it doesn't become a practice and a daily routine. Um, yeah. So, uh, you, I usually end uh, the podcast conversations or, or these interviews with a, with a very basic question for everybody that is listening, and and I. I think you have actually given us a lot of tips that people can start doing tomorrow. But if you would have to choose one thing that, or a couple of things that people can start doing tomorrow to start living big, what would those be? Oh, brother. Well, we talked about slowing down, which I consider a foundation. So I just urge you to really find the time that you can and the ways that you want to be able to slow down and be quiet within yourself, mm-hmm. um, thoughtful, just spacers and the self-care. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I can urge people to do is to find that sense of freedom in themselves, to feel free. It helps you to be relaxed It helps you to bring more play in your life. It helps you to feel um, less of a need to get it right and get it perfect because goodness knows I was a perfectionist for many, many years. Um, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. (laughs) If we can find a sense of uh, allowing ourselves to feel free, relaxed, to be able to live in the present moment, with that ease and to trust that we can connect to our incredible power to um, see possibility, to create new possibilities, to uh, have new ideas, to connect to intuition, the slowing down and the cultivating a sense of freedom and play, I think really sets the stage for all of us to um, start living our biggest lives. Thank you so much, Rochelle. It has been uh, like 
I would say like any of the calls we have had in the in the last month and a half uh, planning for this event. It has been a pleasure to to hear you and uh, thank you for your little tips and but transcendental ones. Uh, so thank um, you, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Jordy. I I so enjoyed this conversation. And um, uh, for those uh, listening, we're gonna put the info uh, Rochelle's uh, contact information on this podcast and. Thank you, thank you very much for spending some time with us. And until next time, my name was Jordi Mueller, and this was the Empowered Women series of the month of June. Thanks. Lexington Wealth Management is a group of investment professionals registered by Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. And with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered independent investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or, or the investment opportunities referred herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not guaranteed. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as a general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Lexington Wealth Management and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no express or implied representation or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data on other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as a date of reference. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of Lexington Well Management and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.